everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Okay, so the K-drama that I'm going to be talking about today is called The Secret Life of My Secretary. Um, Apparently, its literal title is I Loved You From The Beginning, which personally, I really like. I wonder why they didn't go with that. Maybe it's more generic? I don't know. I think that's actually really lovely. But that is not um, kind of the well-known English title. It is The Secret Life of My Secretary. So this drama is, I mean, it says here it's a 32 episode drama, but it is not because I watched it and it wasn't. It was 16. Um, So maybe they were like chopped up into two different, you know, each episode was chopped up into two when it initially aired. But certainly when I watched it, it didn't kind of come out that way. It was just, you know, one hour episodes like normal, 16 episodes in total. Um, And it came out in 2019 and is definitely of the light, fluffy rom-com variety. It's um, pretty quirky and and pretty cute, actually. I I think I was kind of surprised by this one. Um, I think my thoughts are that it's definitely not rocket science. It's definitely not the best thing you will ever see. Um, but there's just something about it. I think that it's quite a satisfying show. I think there are like, you know, some points in it where it gets a little bit slow, um, but not really that much. And I think if you're kind of looking for a little fluffy, silly show with kind of a ridiculous concept and setup to just, while away the time in in a way that's just going to make you know you know it's not going to upset you in any way um then I think this show is probably pretty good for that um yeah I found it I think a lot more satisfying and enjoyable overall than I maybe even expected I think um for me so often these kind of rom-coms that are a little bit more light on plot and end up being more character driven you know they really have pacing issues for me quite often towards the end to the point where I might end up you know dropping the show but I think this one's actually pretty solid so um yeah I really enjoyed it so I guess that's how I felt about it overall (laughs) and the reason that I picked this show up and watched it is actually kind of an interesting one um so this was my first ever like a buddy watch I guess I want to say so like a k-drama club um so basically you know my whole tagline for this podcast is you know I'm a lone k-drama viewer obsessively watching dramas with no one to talk to about them um 
But of course, I've been, you know, I've been putting out episodes of this podcast for over a year now, which is unbelievable to think about and very cool. But over that, you know, over this past year, I feel like I've really met people because of the podcast that I've become proper friends with chatting about K-dramas quite often. And one of my new friends, um, her name is Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. Um, You know, we sort of started watching shows together. And by together, I mean not together because we do not live (laughs) remotely in the same place. Um, But we, this was the first show. We picked this show um, because neither of us had seen it before and it was easy access. (laughs) And we just thought, oh, well, we'll give it a go. We'll each go away and watch eight episodes and then we'll sort of discuss how we feel about it. Um, Which was so much fun. I enjoyed it so much. It's just such a cool experience to, um, I think, just chat about something that you are so mad passionate about with someone else who knows as much about it as you do and cares about it as much as you do. Um, So it was a really like a first for me in terms of experiences. It was very, very cool. So I think, um, yeah, it's awesome. Um, So thank you, Lizzie, for (laughs) watching this show with me. Um, So I guess I will get into the casting. So this show was really interesting for me. And I think the reason that it was initially on my radar at all, because I think I think in terms of the plot and all that kind of stuff, like it's not something, you know, it's not going to be the hit of the year or the breakout drama of the year or even something that would be highly anticipated. This is just one of those fluff rom-coms that I think just rolls around and you either watch it or you don't and that's it. Um, But I was interested in it initially because of the casting. So the female lead in this is played by the actress Jin Kiju, Jin Kiju, um, who I had seen before in a K-drama called Come and Hug Me, which is like a romance mellow, which I really, really loved while I was watching it. And then um, I, I think I watched like three quarters of that show. And then there was a very annoying like break for some multiple week boring sports event. And by the time the show started airing again, I had just like, I don't know what happened. I lost momentum and I never went back to it. And I always mean to, but I'm at a point now where I have to, I would obviously have to start from the beginning. So it's a big time commitment considering I've already seen three quarters of it, but um, that was the first time I saw the actress Jin Ki-ju. So that was called Come and Hug Me. And I really liked her in that. Like it's a very um, it's a very romantic show actually and there's a lot of past trauma and melodrama. But in I, I actually thought it was quite a beautiful show. And I really took notice of her because of that. So I was quite interested to see her in this. And she certainly plays a very different kind of character to the one I'd seen before. Um, You know, in, in the last one, she's this, you know, at the beginning, an aspiring actress, but she's got past trauma and she's very kind of calm and contained. Um, While in this drama, The Secret Life of My Secretary, she plays a character called Galhi and she is fucking adorable like I cannot describe how adorable and cute she is in this show and I really do think that the plot of this show leads to some silly like madcap hijinks but also the plot of this show like who cares it is characters for me the reason this show works is because the characters are 
surprisingly like nuanced and interesting and I think well written for like such a silly little show but also I think the performances are really good particularly with the two leads like Gal He the female lead character I mean I don't know how this actress does it but she just seems to be she has so much going on with her just like and I think it's one of those performances um, which isn't just an actor using their face to make the right emotions like it's a full body performance the way she walks and moves and the the changes in her tone and her voice and everything about her I think just really embodies this other person which obviously is what you're meant to do if you act I presume (laughs) but I think um she just does a really really good job this actress in in the show I think to just make this character so unbelievably likable um I just you know, warm to her so much. And I think it's because of that kind of nuanced thing to her character. So she is a secretary of, you know, a very big director at a very big corporation company. And um, she is very underappreciated. She's very good at her job, but she's run off her feet nonstop. She works all hours. And what she's desperate for is for her contract to get re-signed. She wants to stay on past a year, but she knows that this big boss never keeps a secretary beyond a year. So she has no hope basically, but you know, she needs the money. Um, she has no parents. She has two siblings and she is, you know, she's the one who's taking care of her family. Um, so she's, you know, I guess that's a pretty typical sort of candy type, but then there's moments where she has a backbone as well, which I really, really liked. And she, she gets to points where she really stands up for herself and is quite cool about things. Um, like there's a point when she loses her job, where she goes for a different job interview um, at a different company. And, you know, there's this old guy in a suit who starts grilling her at the interview and she doesn't like the way that he treats her. So she turns the interview around on him and says, she's interviewing him to see if she wants to be his secretary. And so there's just moments like that, that I guess, you know, she has more than one thing going on. She's not just a frazzled candy type. She's not just a poor girl who works hard, who has, you know, a sad backstory because her mum's dead. Um, She's more than that. She's many, many different things. And, you know, the whole time she's just fucking cute. She's so cute. Um, So the tone of this show is pretty silly. And I think you, you really get that immediately. Like one of the first scenes is Galhi. And her siblings, um, you know, at her mother's uh, like deathbed, which could be, you know, super, super fucking dark. And it's done like a, you know, like a bold and the beautiful type soap opera kind of thing where you know, it's just so overly dramatic. And even though, the you know, obviously she's really upset because her mum's just died and, you know, she's crying. There's something that's so like stage actory about the whole thing in this but like you know not in a serious obviously stage production but in a like really overly dramatic ridiculous kind of way um which I kind of like I love the approach of telling something so yes they've got this sad backstory and it is really sad but at the same time the show doesn't want to make you feel sad you're here to have a good time and enjoy a fun show um so I actually thought tonally that was quite clever um so the male lead is played by the actor Kim Yong Kim Young Kwang Young Kwan Young Kwang bloody hell. Um, so he plays a character called Dominic. So I know this actor Kim Young Kwang from. 
I've known him for quite a while, actually, from different dramas. Not known him personally, of course. <laughs> I know his face from my TV screen. Um, so the first drama I ever saw him in was a very, very cool psych- psychological mystery. I want to say thriller, but I'm not sure if it really like it wasn't a, a fast paced. It was like a psychological um, character study show called White Christmas. Um, And I believe I do have a written review on my blog um, on that one, if that's something that you want to just read what it's about a bit more. Um, It's only, I think, eight episodes and it has quite quite a big cast, actually, of I guess at that time, very new up and coming, particularly male actors who all went on to some pretty big things like um, Kim Woo Bin is in that drama. It was the first time I'd ever seen Kim Woo Bin. It was the first time I ever saw Kim Young Kwong. Um, What's his name? (laughs) The dude from Shut Up Flower Boy Band, whose name I have momentarily forgotten. Um, So, you know, it's quite a stacked cast, but it's kind of stacked with all these boys before they sort of got leading man status. Um, It's a great drama if you're looking for something. It's very, I feel like it's quite unique. It's very dark, like super dark mystery. Very interesting show um, that I think is well worth your time. Or at least, you know, I watched it many, many years ago and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I should rewatch it. Anyway, um, Kim Young Kwong was in that drama and he played the biggest asshole in the whole world. I fucking hated him. I hated him. Um, He is definitely the antagonist of it. You know, he's this very tall, very good looking, but unbelievably smug guy in that drama, White Christmas. And I forever, for years after that, associated you know, this smug asshole thing with this actor, which of course just means he's a good actor, but it really took me a long time before I could see him as a viable romantic lead in a drama. And I ended up, (laughs) I ended up watching some drama, bloody hell, I can't even remember what it was called, but he, he plays this dude who lives in a house. (laughs) That's a really weird description. Anyway, um, I watched it for a different reason. Like I was drawn to that drama for a completely different reason. I was like, I guess I will endure watching Kim Young Kwong's face on my screen. And he was so good in that drama that I then started following him around a little bit in drama land. And I saw him in another drama called The Guardians, um, which is, you know, a I don't know, a a heist thriller thing. And he's amazing in that. Like he's, I think he's a really, really good actor. Um, And once I got past like that association with him being smug, um, then now I I really, really like him. And I think, um, you know, like I said, this drama, The Secret Life of My Secretary is I think very, very much carried by not only the characters, but by the performances of these actors. And I think Kim Young Kwong does such a good job. Um, And I think he always does such a good job. And he's really great at being, you know, the romantic male lead. So his character, Dominic, is a, you know, he's a director of this big, boring corporation company. And he is also kind of like an adopted son of, you know, some of the big owners. It's like a family thing, but he's not like a proper heir. Um, So I I think the interesting thing about him is you don't really notice it at the beginning because obviously, you know, he's the director. Galhi is his, you know, underappreciated secretary who's like running around doing everything for him. You know, like she's leaning down a 
putting on his shoes while he has his hand on her head and like just like everything to humiliating levels, I guess. And he just completely takes her for granted. So you don't really notice at the beginning, say two episodes of the show, that Dominique as a big corporation, you know, sort of chabolish guy is actually a really different kind of character to those arrogant CEO kind of business guy characters in, you know, K-drama rom-coms because he's really fucking nice. Like he is this really decent human being and he's a really nice dude. Um, it took me a while to kind of realize he was, but once the drama really gets going, you, you realize that he doesn't really... I guess, I guess in some ways he's on a bit of a flat arc in a lot of ways because he doesn't need to improve. Um, you know, he has mummy issues. He has issues. Um, he has like the main plot point, which is, you know, I'll get into that, but the, the face thing, he can't see faces at the start of the drama. He can, um, but yeah, he, he doesn't really have a character journey in terms of his personality. Like he he just isn't an asshole that needs to get better. He's just a thoroughly nice person. And I think at the very start, maybe, you know, not quite so much, but once he loses the ability to see faces, um, from then on, like he's just he's kind of lovely, like really, really lovely. And I really liked that. I found that very, very appealing. Um, so in terms of, uh, the other actors and actresses in the drama, there is a secondary couple. And for me, the secondary couple in this drama was the biggest mad surprise of this show. It's like unbelievably unexpected. I don't know if this other couple are as good, like as actors as the main couple, um, because, well, the the secondary female lead, um, her name is Kim Jae-kyung. She plays a character called Veronica Park, who is so melodramatically over the top that it's not this actress's fault, but you'd have no idea if she's a good actress or not, because she is not required to do one single subtle thing in this show. It's all about overacting, but that is what her character is meant to be. And she's fucking good at it. It's amazing. And then the second male lead is played by an actor called Gu Jia-sung, who I have never seen before. And he plays a character called Deju. So Gu Jia-sung was like the only one out of the four that I kept being like, can this man act? Can he? I don't know. <laughs> I'm really unsure. Um, but he is like, he's super, super cute. So <laughs> I couldn't help it. I forgave him. And I was like, I really like you. I do. And I liked him on screen and I liked his character a lot. Um, it was just kind of interesting because I feel like, you know, he's either kind of deadpan or he has a big smile and he's really cute either way. So you just kind of like, I'm, I'm cool with this. I don't know if it's like working, but I'm cool with it. <laughs> Um, so I actually loved the secondary couple in this show. That was such a surprise. Um, so I think what I'll do now is get into the setup of the show. And I guess I'll tell you guys what's actually going on with it and talk about that secondary couple a little bit too. So basically the setup for this show is that we have Galhi, who is the frazzled secretary character. She is working herself to the bone for Dominique and Monique, uh, 
<laughs> Minnick, gosh, Minnick is the director of this, this mad company or whatever. And so he has a thing where he will only keep a secretary for one year and he will never, ever renew their contract. And we find out later in the drama that this comes down to a trust issue. He's had a medical thing going on in the past where I think he had like um, a brain injury and he had to get like I don't know, like a metal clip inserted in his brain and the secretary found out and kind of fed that information through to Minnick's evil, smarmy, horrible, I hated his smug face uncle, who is also vying for the CEO position in the company. And of course, you know, used that in, in the corporate world to sort of act like Minnick wasn't fit for his role or whatever. So Minnick has like serious trust issues. He also has a serious mum issues. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting. He, he just loves his mum. He wants affection from her very, very, very badly. And I think that, you know, he's, he's adopted and she just doesn't really give a shit about him, I guess, or really know anything about him either. And is also not very nice to him. Um, Interestingly, I felt like one of the things that I weirdly found very satisfying about the ending of this show is that, you know, a lot of these kind of issues like relationship issues with parents weren't completely resolved at the end. It was more of a, who, well, I guess, you know, ongoing throughout the rest of our lives, we're going to have to deal with this relationship issue with, you know, this problem with the parents. And like they were, it's all a bit better at the end than at the start. So for instance, Minnick's relationship with his mom is a lot better at the end than the start, but it's still not freaking perfect. And weirdly, I didn't find that unsatisfying. I found that quite an interesting and refreshing, more true to life way to deal with that kind of stuff in such a silly light rom-com like this show. So I actually really liked it. Um, so anyway, we're coming up to the one year and Galhi, of course, gets fired and she is completely devastated. She thought that because she was working harder than any other secretary ever, that she would be able to retain her position. And basically Minnick's like, nah, fuck off. He doesn't want to. So she's super, super upset about it. And she goes home to her little house. She lives in such a cool house. Um, it's obviously like, you know, a tiny, tiny traditional Hanok style building, you know, in the middle of some neighborhood somewhere. So it's just like a little courtyard home. It's really gorgeous. And she lives there with her older brother, who's blind, and her younger sister, who's still in high school. And Galhi's dream, I guess, is that... Um, well, to take care of her family because their mum's dead. Um, and I really loved it um, throughout the show. The mum sort of turns up and offers support and comfort to her daughter whenever her daughter's going through a tough time, which is like, was very beautiful, actually. Just a little side note there. Um, but Galhi's dream is to make enough money to be able to send her youngest sister overseas to, I don't know, Pennsylvania University or something to go study something. Um, so she needs money. She needs money in order to fund that lifestyle for her little sister in the hopes that her little sister will come back and become someone very great and high flying and probably save them all. <laughs> Just a lot of pressure to put on a little sister. But anyway. Um, and so what happens then? Um, oh, <laughs> so Minnick is just sort of like, you know, he's sort of blanking her and he, he's just not going to rehire her. And he has a best friend called Deju, who is the second male lead, um, who is super tall and super cute. And so is Minnick, by the way, they're both super cute. Um, everyone in this drama is 
you know, very pretty to look at. Even Galhi, who of course is doing that whole, um, you know, this beautiful actress has been sort of frazzled up to try and make her look, I don't know, homely or something. And so she's kind of got curlyish red hair, but like she's gorgeous. She looks great. So that I didn't, I don't think they can really frazzle her up. Um, so Minnick is kind of like hanging out at this boat with his best friend or he's waiting for, for Deju to turn up and they're going to hang out or whatever. And basically some dude turns up and kind of stabs him a little bit and he falls off a building <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> but he ends up in hospital and, you know, the guy who did it got away and Galhi turns up and saves his life and ends up in hospital with him. She's fine. She's just like accompanying him. Um, but Minnick, because he's got this random um, clip, metal clip thing in his brain, he, he's knocked his head a bit. And when he wakes up after his accident, he can no longer see people's faces, um, which it's really interesting. You know, like this show is really light. It's very silly. It's very funny. But they certainly do make you think about what an isolating terrifying experience that would be for Minnick. Um, Minnick has also built his entire career and I guess persona in his office as this man who was unbelievably good at reading emotion from people's facial expressions. So it's like his, you know, of course it is, <laughs> his specific talent is um, being able to tell whether his competitors are lying, whether they're nervous, whether they're, you know, whatever, like he can just tell everything. Um, so he's really, really good at that, um, you know, sort of reading people's expressions. And of course, his, you know, basic superpower is completely gone. But on top of not being able to kind of read what someone is trying to tell you with their face or trying not to tell you, but their face does anyway, he also can't recognize anyone anymore. And of course, in an office, everyone just wears suits and they all have the same haircut, like the dudes anyway. Um, so it's a real problem for him because he is also vying for the CEO position. And there's like, you know, a million big, boring board meetings coming up that he has to go to and show off at um, and some, I don't know, talks and shit. So what happens is he's at the hospital he's basically having a conniption. Like he's wailing, he's like grabbing his doctor, he's running around and everyone's faces are just like blurred out, like weird. <laughs> they look pretty weird actually. <laughs> um, and Galhi turns up and he sees her face. She's the only one there he recognized. So of course he runs up to her, he grabs her and like crawls all over her and basically says, freaking save me. Um, so it turns out at first he thinks, why, why is she the only person in the whole world whose face he can see? How strange. But the show does this kind of cool thing. Um, for a while you think, you know, yeah, it's just a, you know, it's just a silly writing convenience. She's the one person whose face he can see, but the show actually does a pretty good job of explaining it in the end. Um, and the idea is that every single day for the past year, Galhi has been at his side, attending to his every need. And every single day she wears her glasses. She has her kind of red uh, frizzy hair up in the same ponytail. And every day she wears the exact same red cardigan. Um, in the drama, there was a reason she wears it. I don't know, something about something that I can't remember, <laughs> but uh, they do explain why she wears this same article of clothing every day. Um, and the idea is that Minnick doesn't need to see her face because she looks the same, that it's almost like imprinted in his mind. And his mind is just unconsciously, automatically filling in the gaps because she never looks different. 
Um, so you kind of understand after a while that he can't really see her facial expressions because it's his, you know, his unconscious imagination that is filling out the details in her face. So Galhi could be looking up at him and she could be, for instance, crying silently, but he wouldn't know. He will just be imagining her say smiling if that's what he thinks she should be doing in that situation so it's still interesting um you know she can still hide a lot of what she's feeling from him because he can't really see her but he can sort of see her um so it basically and this is what I really like too you know like the drama starts off obviously Galhi is in this position of extreme inequality with Minnick. You know, she is his secretary. She is lower than him in every way. Um, and he treats her so. And then as soon as this face issue happens, the tables hugely turn. Um, and I think this is when, for me, the drama got very fun. Like, I really liked this. Minnick is basically like in the most vulnerable position ever. And she is his lifeline. So he follows her around and begs her and begs her and begs her to come back and work for him. He'll offer her anything. And Galhi, even though she desperately needs this job, very hilariously, is like, no, fuck off, um, which I really liked. I loved that there was a bit of pushback about her accepting it and that she doesn't just sort of run to it straight away. She really, really makes him work for it, which I really enjoyed. And then you also get this fantastic dynamic between them because Minnick can't see anybody and they're constantly getting approached. So there's a lot of like kind of fun um, physical comedy, I suppose. Like he's always grabbing her and he's always using her as a shield. And so like there's a lot of, um, you know, touching and skinship and all that kind of stuff, which is, I think, really fun in this sort of romantic relationship and the development of them, you know, being thrust into this position where even though they've known each other for so long and she knows him like she knows him so well in terms of what he needs and what he wants. He doesn't really know her at all. And suddenly she's the only person that he can fully rely on. Um, but it also, you know, he's just all over her all the time, which is just very, very funny to see that sort of opposite dynamic from what the show set up as their initial relationship, you know, with her sort of following him around all the time. So I really loved that. And I mean, that's, kind of not the main setup of the drama, but I think even that sort of relationship dynamic and that concept, I could have done it like done with this show just being about that, just being about him not being out of sea and having to rely on her to help him through every aspect of his life. I think I would have found that supremely enjoyable as the concept, but the actual concept of this show is that Minnick, by his, his folks or whatever, is sent on a blind date with a mad, rich, um, multiplex cinema heiress who is this amazing businesswoman um, who has sort of built this cinema empire for herself or some shit. I don't know. But she's also known to be supremely difficult to date and, you know, has a lot of boyfriends and Minnick is basically sent there to, you know, hopefully get married to her, but also I suppose a bit of like a, a corporation merge. And there's like a big deal that everyone's trying to get out of this, this heiress whose name is Veronica Park. So Veronica Park is the second female lead and she's insane. Like she's completely over the top insane. Um, and I loved her. She's such a revelation and surprise in this drama. So she is set up to be 
immediately you think, oh, here's the bitchy second female lead who's going to be evil for no reason. They immediately set her up as very high maintenance. You know, she she cares about her clothes and her makeup and, you know, she really cares about all these material things. She's over the top. She keeps like, um, you know, speaking in in English, like going awesome and stuff all the time. Like, so she's very, very embarrassing. Um, and so they set her up to be, you know, this real, I wanted to say manonizing, like womanizing. What do you, what do you call that? Um, you know, she, she has a lot of boyfriends and, you know, they just set her up in a way that is not flattering. So you presume that the drama does that because they want you not to like her because she's going to be a rival to Galhi for Minnick's affections. Um, and then they just, the drama completely subverts every expectation that you have for this Veronica Park character. She ends up, she never changes. She never lessens her ridiculousness. She never like pulls back on being so insane, which again, I loved, but the drama slowly gets you to understand her and know her. And she's this very lovely, vulnerable person mixed up in all this ridiculous melodrama. Um, and you end up really, really liking her. And she actually has like her own separate love line with the second male lead, Deju, um, completely like never even meets Minnick and actually just forms this really heartwarming friendship with Galhi. It's just so surprising how much I liked this second female lead who at first I was just cringing. I was like, oh no, like what is this? And I, th- I just love the way the drama really um, subverted my all my expectations. Um, I also really, really enjoyed the, the second lead sort of romance, um, which is basically Veronica Park meets Deju, who is, um, you know, he's like a high up director at this big corporation as well. So he's Minnick's best friend. They've grown up together and they're really, really close. And I really liked their friendship as well. Um, so Deju is kind of like, you know, while Minnick's wanting around in cool tailored suits and looks all slick and awesome, Minnick just look, uh, sorry, Deju, his best friend, Deju just looks like a normal guy. Like, you know, he's just not into suits. He's not into any of that. And he comes from a poorer background. He's, you know, he's risen really high in the company, apparently through his hard work. He's really nice. He's really kind. And he's quite reserved and quiet or potentially he can't act. I don't know. <laughs> um, but he's very cute, like I said. Um, and Veronica Park basically meets him and she's like, whoa, who is this? I want him. And then the rest of their entire romance is basically her chasing him around and trying to get him into bed with her. And that's basically what their dynamic is. And his whole thing is that you can see that more and more he is very charmed by her. I don't know why, because she's insane. I don't know why, but he finds her completely adorable, clearly, which again, I kind of love that because she's ridiculous, but I kind of really enjoy the fact that he's very charmed by her, even though I don't know why anyone would be. It's very funny. Um, And his whole thing is it's not that he doesn't want to hop into bed with her, but he's very much about a long-term relationship. He's like, you know, if we start this, this is it. Like, we're going to be together. And Veronica Park, underneath all her blustering ridiculousness, you find out that she, she has guys who want her for her money. 
and that is what she's used to and she has been heartbroken over and over again and this is what she finally admits to him Um, and his whole thing is still like well I'm not going to get with you until you commit with me but she cannot commit as much as she wants him Um, she just can't commit she's so afraid of it Um, and I it was just really the whole thing was surprising and there were points in the drama particularly kind of around just over the middle part where I felt some of the stuff with the main lead it's main leads and their romance had sort of slowed down a little bit and there was a point where I started like kind of getting not invested in that so much before it then sucked me back in and I was totally happy but for that little point where things slowed down I was totally living for this second romance even though it was bonkers it's so ridiculous um so I guess <laughs> I just went on a little tangent there <laughs> um back to Galhi so the main kind of concept of the whole show is that when Minnick goes to to meet Veronica Park on this blind date Veronica Park never turns up because there's some sort of mad whatever and she doesn't turn up and Galhi is was meant to be going nightclubbing that night. So she's all dressed up really different from how she normally looks. And she runs to the restaurant to let Minnick know that Veronica Park is not going to turn up. But when she when she turns up, Galhi, Minnick obviously can't see her face because she's not wearing her red cardigan and her glasses and her hair is different. And so he presumes that she's Veronica Park. And the whole concept of the drama is, of course, that he starts dating who he thinks is Veronica Park. And Galhi totally hoodwinks him and starts dating him back and, you know, falls in love with him completely. And meanwhile, he's falling in love with who he thinks is Veronica Park, but also kind of falling in love with his secretary separately. And he ends up kind of in a love triangle, I suppose, with who he thinks is two different women. But we, of course, as viewers know, is actually one person impersonating someone else sometimes. So the thing that really interests me about this setup is that it's wrong. (laughs) She's lying. Um, Going into this show, like I knew that's what the show was going to be about. And I really thought that I would have a bigger sort of ethical issue about the lying than I did. Um, I thought I would really, really dislike Galhi's character because she is lying to him and particularly because the show sets Minnick up to be really nice. Like he is a nice guy. He's not, you know, a douchey CEO who deserves to get taken down a peg or two through her lying to him. Like he's nice. By this point, he's treating her as his secretary very nicely. And he's treating her as Veronica Park very nicely. So he doesn't deserve to get taken down a peg or two. In fact, he's already in this very vulnerable situation of not being able to recognize anybody or do his job as well as he used to. So it's, um, I don't know, it, it, I, I guess I just expected to have more of an issue, but I think the reason that the drama makes it work, this lying concept, is that Galhi herself doesn't do it with any malicious intent. Um, like, for instance, you know, I've talked on the podcast in the past about Tempted, in which Udo Hahn's character, like, totally hoodwinks a girl, but he does it on purpose. He does it to fuck her up basically, which is horrible, which is why it's so difficult to watch or forgive him. Well, so I think in this drama, they sort of take a different approach. And at the beginning, at least, I think it does such a good job of explaining why Galhi does this terrible thing that she knows is terrible. But when she turns up to that restaurant, all dressed up for the first time, you know, in forever, and Minnick gets up and 
pulls the chair open and is like, you know, come sit in this beautiful restaurant and eat this beautiful food with me. And she just cannot resist. And I think the drama paints it as this idea that she has been slaving for him desperately in like absolute fear for her job for, you know, over a year. She's just been in this very precarious position where she is always, always at the beck and call of him. And suddenly there he is looking handsome in a suit, waiting on her buying her a meal, pouring her expensive champagne. So it's this this idea of her being treated well, like she's precious by him. That is so like, she just cannot resist it. But on top of that, even the small things, like she lives in poverty. She is the breadwinner of the family. She gives everything that's nice to her siblings first. And suddenly there is this beautiful expensive meal and this beautiful champagne and this beautiful restaurant and she just can't say no and of course Galhi thinks it's just going to be this one dinner and that's it and they get along really well and she you know she tries to put on the whole ridiculous Veronica Park stuff but eventually she just slips back into being herself and her and Minnick really you know strike up a connection and obviously in real life it's really the first time Minnick has ever given her the time of the day to get to know her and find out who she really is and that is appealing to Galhi as well um, and of course course, then, you know, they start kind of seeing each other more often. A lot of it's very funny with ridiculous hijinks, you know, Galhi running back and forth and stuff, pretending to be Veronica Park and then pretending to be herself and, you know, just trying to cover her butt so that she doesn't get like found out all the time. Um, but it's actually... I thought it worked really well. And I think it, it works really well for quite a long time because she keeps kind of trying to confess the truth or trying to stop doing what she's doing. And there was only really one point in the drama where, where I was really like, ethically, if you continue at this point, then I kind of hate you. <laughs> I don't want to watch it anymore. And she's, um, Galhi's given this choice, you know, like continue hoodwinking Minnick or not. And I was at the point where I was really like, if she keeps doing this, then I'm out. I don't like her anymore. And she chose to do the right thing. And in the end, she didn't, you know, she didn't continue. So I, I feel like the drama really pushed it to the kind of limits of what I could handle on an ethical kind of <laughs> level, because it is wrong. It's terrible what she does. It's really, really awful. But I feel like the drama just towed the line and for me just made it watchable before, you know, she ends up confessing and he finds out the truth. Um, so that was a huge big thing about the setup of the show. Um, there's a mad mystery thrown in there because obviously Minnick gets stabbed up at the beginning and thrown off a building. So we're like, who did that? And then the guy who did it turns up and is like driving him around as his new driver. But of course, Minnick can't recognize his face. So there's this like really weird mystery and all these secretaries running around. And um, the coolest thing I think about the mystery is, you know, someone has sent this um, you know, stabbist, the stabber driver guy <laughs> to go and like get Minnick. And all the evidence points to Minnick's best friend, Deju, who is, you know, the cute guy who is dating Veronica Park or trying to fend off Veronica Park, however you look at that relationship. Um, it 
And Deju is so nice in the drama that every time he does anything, you're like, well, he can't. He can't be evil. He's so nice. But the evidence really points to him. And I thought the mystery was actually really fun because, like, I couldn't really guess. I mean, I didn't really care, but also I kind of wanted to know if if Deju was evil or not. So it was quite fun. Um, But I think that's, you know, I've talked a lot about the setup. But in fact, I've like, I mean, that's just brushing the surface. It's such a silly, ridiculous thing. It's, you know, so so many layers to it, I think. So even though I've talked about it quite a lot, um, I just mean, if you still want to go watch it and you haven't seen it yet, like basically I've, I've haven't really spoiled anything. That's really just the initial setup of the show. Okay, so now I'm just going to go through um, some of the things that I really loved about this show. And like I said at the start, like this show isn't a revelation. It isn't the best show in the world. I think there'd be a lot of people who might even watch it and be like, eh, like it's not for me or it's not that good. I think I just had weirdly low expectations. And for a fluffy light drama, I ended up really enjoying it. It's just... You know, it might have even just been right time, like just such a happy piece of silliness. <laughs> so stuff that I loved. Um, one thing I really liked was Galhi's mom. Uh She's played by an actress that I saw in Warm and Cozy. It's just such a beautiful woman. And I don't know why she doesn't play the mum in every single drama ever, except maybe she's too beautiful. I don't know. Um, but I really, really liked the way it was very, I guess, in such a silly hijink kind of a drama. It was very nice to have these very grounded, quiet moments where whenever Galhi is either sad or just wants to share something with her mum and misses her mum, her mum would just turn up and sit next to her, like with this mad ajuma perm, and they would just talk. And I found it very, very moving in in such a show that is, you know, so freaking silly. Um, So I liked that. Um, As I mentioned before in the setup, you know, there's this mystery in the show. And I really just liked the fact that it wasn't at all immediately obvious who the culprit was. I thought that was cool. I didn't really care about the mystery in terms of like who did what and stuff, but it was really fun having, you know, all the evidence point to Deju being the mastermind. And as you're watching, like you really do not know if he is or not, or who did it. Like, so that is quite fun. Um, so the other thing I really liked, um, you know, as I said before, Galhi and the actress Jin Kiju, um, she's just really, really adorable. And one thing I quite like to add on to everything else, I've already talked about her, because I won't go into that again. Um, once, you know, her and Minik kind of sort out their shit at the end and get together, and he knows that he's with his secretary and not an heiress called Veronica Park, um, I kind of love that Galhi doesn't sort of um, fully glam up and change her look. She just sort of stays the same. And I thought that that was really nice. Um, I, You know, I think there's so many dramas where if the heroine is sort of painted as being, you know, not super fashionable and like a little bit homely, not that she looks homely, but like, obviously she's meant to, um, that usually, you know, maybe when she gets with the leading man, there's a big makeover scene and suddenly she gets all real hot. And I kind of like that, you know, he just loves her. She doesn't need to change the way she looks like he's in love with her. So it's all good. So I thought that was quite nice. Um, 
like I said before, him, I think he's great. The main male lead, Minnick, played by Kim Young Kwang. Um, just surprisingly nice, like a really likable, nice character. Um, as I said, the secondary couple in this is gold, unexpectedly so. Um, one thing I really liked about this show as well was, you know, the whole setup is built on this lie or this continuing series of lies that Gal He does, which is killing her. She feels so guilty. Um but in the end causes a lot of problems for Minnick because he thinks he's in love with two different people and that makes him feel pretty shit. Like he's like, I'm not the kind of guy who falls in love with two women at once, but I really like these two women. Um, so that's kind of weird as well. Um, but the thing I really liked about the setup, um, which again was something I really liked from that other drama, Tempted, which, you know, it has the big lie as it's an, a big concept as well, is um, the consequences of the lie. I really, really liked it. So Galhi is um, kind of... I guess getting ready to confess, to tell him the truth. And Minnick finds out first, which is bad. You know, he, she wants to be the one to explain it. Um, but he finds out himself and he is absolutely devastated. And the scene where he confronts her and he is crying and he's so hurt, is so like, it's not a fluffy comedy scene. It is unbelievably devastating and moving. And I I really liked how seriously the drama took his reaction to her lie. I love that he doesn't just go, ah, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Like, I love you. Um, I really, really liked that um, because I think she did something really bad and there should be consequences to that. So I felt very satisfied by his reaction. And, you know, when there's a scene of him at home with his head in his hands crying because he doesn't know if he can trust people anymore, like, oh, that hits you in the heart. It was very well done, I thought. Um, so another thing I liked was I think the end of this show is actually surprisingly satisfying. Um, like most rom-coms uh you know the couple get together they sort out all their shit in this show by like episode 14 so you've still got two episodes left and I was like what the fuck is this show even gonna be about but of course there's the mystery elements to still sort of like unravel but what they did which I thought was really cool um was they sort of create a a conflict where Galhi feels like the right thing to do is go and support some workers who have like a, a work issue um, to do with being fired and stuff. But obviously Minnick is one of the main directors. So she's kind of going directly against him, but her conscience says that she has to go and do this thing. And it puts the couple at odds immediately after they get together. But I really liked it because it really establishes that Galhi is her own woman. And even though, yes, she is a lowly secretary and she's dating, you know, this high flying guy who probably will be a CEO in a few years, she is not, you know, just going to run around after him for the rest of their lives. Like that is not what their dynamic is. Like she is her own woman with her own things going on and she is going to do the thing that she thinks is right. Now, not before when she was lying to his face, but now <laughs> she's going to do the ethical right thing. Um, but I just really liked it. I thought it was a really good sort of conflict because it wasn't the kind of conflict that they usually put in these sort of rom-coms when they run out, which is the couple breaks up and then gets back together. In this one, it was much more subtle. It was just about them working through an issue together that put them kind of against each other and I just really liked the results of it which showed that you know they have an equal relationship um which I thought was really cool um so what else have I written here oh one thing uh 
I was going to say that, but actually it's a spoiler, so I won't. Although <laughs> fucking spoil the whole thing. Um, one thing I wrote down here that I really liked is I've written good kisses, exclamation mark, and then in brackets, very important, which of course it is. Um, there's heaps of kissing in this show um, and it's really good. There's no like, you know, shocked planks of wood in this show. Everyone is kissing like normal human beings and they look pretty great and romantic while they do it. So yeah, all the kiss scenes are really great. I really liked them. And interestingly enough, I think there's like a very sort of um, mature and positive approach to sex in this drama, which is really interesting. Um, Like it's actually a thing that exists in the world of these, you know, adults and um, does come into, you know, conversation in in their relationship. So I really liked um, those whole aspects uh, with the secondary couple and the main couple. I thought that was kind of cool. And so stuff I didn't like. um, There's some slower bits, I think. There's some bits where it's not as riveting as other bits. I mean, I've mainly just talked about all the stuff I really loved. I don't think there's anything I didn't like. Like, there's nothing I could pull apart and really point my finger at, except that one moment where I thought Galhi was going to go too far with her lies and I wasn't going to forgive her. But I feel like the drama pulled back just at the right moment. Um, But yeah, there's nothing I could really say that I particularly didn't like. I think it's just, this is not the most amazing drama ever. It is like more of a a middling show. It's like, if you want something fun and nice, that will probably make you feel happy. It is romantic. There's good kissing. There's good looking people in it. It's just good fun. Um, But it's certainly not the best thing I've ever seen. But the flip side of that is there's nothing really wrong with it either. There's there's nothing that stands out as being too annoying or too bad or too anything. And I think really what saves the whole show from being too middling is just the characters are so likable um, that you really do become invested in just making sure they get their, their little happy endings because you like them enough um, to care. So I think it's, um, you know, for a light rom-com, um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was really cool. So yeah, I feel like it's the kind of show, like, should you watch it? Yeah, I think so. Like if, if you've watched everything else, <laughs> no, actually it's better than that. Like it's actually worth a watch. I think, um, it's just one of those, what mood are you in kind of shows. So, um, it is what it is. It's not more than what it is and it knows what it is and what it is, is fucking silly, <laughs> but good fun. Um, so that's it from me, I think. Um, and I've talked for a very long time about the sec oh the secretary life of my secretary no the secret life of my secretary a 16 episode rom-com from 2019 So now it is time for my random thing of the week. And I've got a little quick one for you guys today um, which I really enjoyed. So I'm reading <laughs> I'm sort of starting to read this absolutely massive book about a period of Korean history, which I've mentioned before on the podcast that I'm very, very interested in, um, the Imjin War. Uh, so I've kind of picked up this massive, massive book, but in the very beginning, kind of like as a preface, there is this poem um, and the poem is written. So it's a Korean poem from the Joseon dynasty, and it was written in 1578 by a poet called Chong Chol. And the translation title, of the poem is Song of Star Mountain. So I just wanted to read this unbelievably short poem to you just because isn't it incredible that you can listen to a piece of poetry that was written 
during the 1500s. Like it just like, it's one of those things, if you don't think about it, you're like, yeah, so, but if you actually think about a man in the 1500s, in 1578, sitting down somewhere and thinking this and writing it, it kind of blows my mind. I think it's so incredible. All right, so here is someone speaking to you about their world 500 years ago. <laughs> Enraptured by the evening sunset, the boys tending cattle on the grassy bank of the clear river trill on their flutes while the dragon dozing beneath the water seems to wake and rise. And that's it. It's super, super short. It's by the poet Chong Chol, or, you know, I'm not sure if it's a short poem or if that's just an excerpt. Um, and the poem is called Song of Star Mountain. I thought it was really, really beautiful. Um, so that's it from me for my random thing of the week. <laughs>